This whole process of recovery revolves around one principle, the belief of an individual that they are capable of change. If you don't believe you can change, you won't. If you don't believe you are loved, then there's no amount of love that will change that opinion. And if you don't think you can handle the pain that comes with the growth that happens in real recovery, then you will quit at the first pinprick of emotional discomfort. You gotta want the change. You gotta feed the warrior within. You gotta fight for your faith and you gotta lay down your pride for the sake of your loved ones. And when adversity comes after you or your spouse or your children, you gotta be dangerous. You gotta be the kind of person that your enemy across the battlefield looks at and knows that they don't stand a chance because they have already lost. See, recovery, it's a place for failures, but it's not a place for quitters. It doesn't matter how many times you fail, as long as you acknowledge it and learn from it and move forward. We are triers, we are doers, and we are warriors who always get back up. I used to beg God, saying, please don't quit on me. Until one day God turned it around on me and said, I've never quit on you. Don't you quit on yourself. My friends, this is the time, now, is the moment. Today is the day. Don't wait. Don't give it a second thought. You go now and repeat after me. I'm not alone. I am worthy of love and respect. I will never give up. I can change and I have the tools and the drive to win and I will win. We are in this together and we are here to help you in your journey of recovering you. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Recovering You. I do want to take a second and apologize for not putting out an episode last week. So here's the thing. We, we did record an episode last week, and I went to edit it the night before it was supposed to come out, and uh, there was nothing there. Total silence. And so we have done our troubleshooting. We have discovered what the problem was. We will never get that episode back, nor can we really repeat it. Um, just know it was a good one, okay? So just <laughs> we did a really good job. Uh, but we are, we're doing a totally different topic today. We're not even going to try and duplicate. And, and uh, All right, so to, to start out, though, I, I want to do a little bit of a visual exercise. So, Katie, I would, I would love for you to close your eyes, okay? Now, I want you to imagine that we are out camping, okay, and, I, and, I, and we're up on this hill and stuff, but I'm going to take you over to, I'm going to have you close your eyes, and I'm going to walk you over to this view. I'm doing air quotes right now, this view, okay? So I'm standing behind you, I got your shoulders, and I say, uh, and, I, and I put your face right in front of this tree, and I say, open your eyes, okay? So you open your eyes, and what do you see? And your nose is basically pressed against this tree. What do you see? Yeah, bark. You see, yeah. Maybe a few ants on the bark. Hopefully, hopefully not. But yeah, bark. Okay. And then I, I grab your shoulders and I take you one step back. What do you see then? I would probably see a tree, and probably a little bit of the surroundings around the tree. Okay. And then a couple more steps back from there. The forest, or the well. I don't know what view you're showing me. But. Paint us a picture. <laughs> well, now it's my job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, and then and then let's say uh, 
I, it takes you another 20 steps back and you get the full, the full view of everything. Panoramic picture. Yeah, just a beautiful valley below, the clouds in the sky, uh, just a beautiful day, thousands of trees. And all it was was a, a few steps back from, from where you were, where all you could see was bark in front of your face, take a few steps back and you get the full view of everything that was laid before you. And I, what I want to talk about today is, is the power of taking a step back, the power of why it's so important that in things like trauma, in, thing, in everyday aspects of life, not just in addiction. Like, I feel like we've really kind of stepped beyond addiction this season. And we're, we're, we're stepping into so many more of the everyday aspects that people deal with. And stepping back is something I think everyone could benefit from learning how to do in their life. So we, I wanna talk about a few ways that we can do that. But we were talking before this, and I kept using the phrase stepping away. And that, that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. And in my mind, when you were like, well, what about stepping back? And once you explained what you meant by stepping back, I was like, well, I meant the same thing, just different <laughs> words. But I think it's really important to distinguish what's the difference between taking a step back and stepping away. Because there's probably people listening right now that are like, duh, Cameron, like, it's obvious, stepping away and stepping back. But I, I you had a great perspective on it. Okay. So I guess there's two perspectives that I see the differences as. For me, stepping away, you are, in my mind, you're physically turning your body away. You're leaving. It's turning your back on what you were looking at. So if I go to step away from this tree, I'm not going to just move back and keep looking at the tree. I'm going to turn away from the tree, probably look at you and go, why am I looking at this tree? I've stepped away from my view, from my situation completely. I've turned my back on it. Right. Instead of stepping back where you're still looking at what you were looking at previously, you're just looking for more perspective. So I feel like stepping back is can even be perceived as like a precursor to stepping away. It's that taking a pause to evaluate and self-evaluate what should be the next step. Do I go back in to where I stepped back from and keep going? Or do I step back so that I can safely turn away and go somewhere else? So you're, you're, you're describing it more in a way of taking a step back is a way to, it's a precursor to either seeing what needs to be invested in moving back forward into whatever you're dealing with or a precursor to stepping away and leaving whatever situation you're dealing with. I, I guess one thing that, that we're, we're hearing a lot of, we're seeing a lot of are people that we have friend, a lot of friends tell us like, I'm, I'm stepping away from the church. And you know, I, I, one of my favorite things to do, not to challenge them, not to get confrontational, but I love to ask why, you know, like, why are you stepping away from the church? What is it about your religion that has you wanting to, as you said, turn your back and walk away in a different direction? Why aren't we taking a second to step back? For example, a lot of people I've spoken to, you know, they, they feel forgotten in their callings. Uh, they, they feel like they're just another cog in the wheel, that they're not really feeling anything spiritual anymore, that they're kind of just a part of the big machine. And that that spiritual side of things, that inspirational side of things, isn't there anymore. Okay? 
So applying this stepping back method, if you were to say, I just need to step back, ask to be released from my calling, allow myself to immerse myself back into the core principles of the gospel and see where my values lie within this, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't feel like that's us stepping away from Heavenly Father, from the Spirit. That's us recognizing what's going on within ourselves to better immerse myself in my core values. If I'm feeling lost, I need to find myself. I'm getting lost in the minutia of all the work yeah. that needs to be done. Yeah. And I, I know that does happen for a lot of people, and, and I don't judge that, and, and I, don't, I, I think that's a very fair thing for people to go through. It happens. Totally normal. But if our first assumption is, or if our first issue is, well, I now have a problem with this, I just need to leave. All of it. All of it. Then it's, we're really kind of just like, okay, well, is this what's best for your life? And if, it, if you feel like it is, you know, again, I'm not the one that's here to judge and, and cast judgment on other people. I, I do feel like, though, I, I don't want to come off harsh. And at the same time, there, there, were, there are other routes that could be taken to not just fully abandon something you've known your whole life. Um, same, same principle could be applied to relationships. Well, and even with relationships and for some people who join churches later, it hasn't been their whole life. Yeah. And so they're coming from a shorter term perspective. And generally when we make a commitment to a loved one, to a belief, there's something within us that has resonated with the truth of that belief or the realness of the emotions to that person. And I feel like it's, we get lost in the details of making things work and fix all the tiny little things that we forget that initial feeling or emotion or belief that brought us to that in the first place. So like with a relationship, yeah. you fall in love. Uh -huh. Then life gets hard. All the details. He doesn't put away her, his socks. She doesn't do the dishes. It happens and you start getting nitpicky about all the things that you didn't talk about or you did talk about but didn't react perfectly and you just let yourself grow further and further apart forgetting what brought you together in the first place and not stepping back to say okay my spouse is human am I going to let socks on the floor really be what creates this distance when I sometimes leave my socks out? Am I going to let those small things push between me and my relationship with my spouse to the point where we no longer have a relationship and it does feel like, well, the only option left is leaving because there's nothing there. And so I feel like that remembering those reasons for starting the reasons why we go to ch we went to church in the first place when we first started going and for some yeah it was cuz my parents made me i was too um, <laughs> <laughs> however at some point in our lives as we grow and we become adults there should be some spark of truth within us that says this is why i want to go to church my mom is no longer dressing me up in the pretty tutu dress and saying you have to go so why am I going? I hated it when my mom put me in 
came to address and made me go to church. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Where she would have found a tutu dress With in the midst of boys. all you boys. <laughs> Funny, mister, I was talking about me. <laughs> oh, okay. Totally misunderstood that one. My bad, my bad. Continue. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I am. Uh, I, I think, though, I, I, I love that concept, though, of when, when those things are challenged within us, what is our first reaction? Is it to, is it to abandon that thing, to, to run away, or is it to, again, like we were saying in the beginning, take a step back and evaluate, why is this important to me? Why does this relationship matter? Why does this religion matter? Why does this job matter? Uh, why, why does taking care of my body matter? There's so many different aspects of this that you can apply that to that, um, here's a good personal example that's, that's gone on with us. You were doing intermittent fasting for a while and it, it was having pretty dramatic results. It was this odd, it was a mental thing, really. Yeah. I found myself I started intermittent I guess I should say this first. I started intermittent fasting because I was finding that I was naturally eating later in the day and stopping sooner. So I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty close to intermittent fasting. I'm just going to try it." However, I noticed after a few months that it wasn't so much that I needed food sooner. It was that by the time I ate my brain was saying, you are starving. You need to get food now. And so when I would break that fast and I would start eating, my brain would overrule my body and say, crisis no, mode. eat more. Yeah. No, eat more. You don't know when you're going to eat again. You have to eat more. Eat more. You are starving. You're so hungry that I was eating so much more food. And I know that some people, when they say they're intermittent fasting, that you know you can eat whatever you want in those times when you're not fasting. And I was eating so much more than I needed, and I was feeling overfull even longer. And I was like, I got to a point where I was like, this isn't, this is bad mentally for my body. Like I'm, I'm feeling starving when I can eat, and not hungry when I don't need to be eating. Like. Yeah. It just became this odd relationship with food that I didn't want. It and so like, it, that, that was that process of you took a step back and realized mentally what was going on. You evaluated things and then you realized you were just going to step away from, from that whole principle. And not just like abandon everything and stop taking care of your body, but that just intermittent fasting wasn't for you. And so it was okay to step away. So that's what I, that's what I want to be understood is like there, there should be this process that we go through when when we're struggling with certain things in our lives that you know we we talk all the time about how we shouldn't be like checking boxes and stuff like that however in terms of processes that we go through uh, struggles that we're trying to overcome there are these boxes that need to be checked sometimes immediately stepping away is the right thing to do if you're struggling with pornography immediately stepping away is the right thing to do um However, if you're having some contention issues in a relationship, immediately stepping away is probably not the right thing to do. Taking a step back, evaluating what's going on within yourself, within the other person, having conversations, communicating, expressing those concerns, and putting in the effort to make changes on both sides of the fence before even having those thoughts of this isn't really working out. You can see that there's, there's a process that we go through 
Um, same thing with a career. If you find that you are waking up every day miserable to go to work, maybe I should just quit. No, don't just quit because then you're putting your family's livelihood in jeopardy. Take a step back. Observe what's going on. Why are you miserable every day? Is it because you're just not going to bed on time and so you're waking up exhausted? Is it because of the environment that you're in? Is it because of specific coworkers? Is it because of boundaries that are being crossed within the workplace that make it miserable to go into this job? Is it because you are finding yourself drawn to something else that you want to make in your life meaningful? And so that pull towards something more meaningful is causing your current situation to be miserable. This is the perspective of stepping back. It's healthy. Because that's how we learn about where our values are shifting to. What is more meaningful to us? Um, gain, and, you gain an added perspective. Yeah. And, and then later on, you know, going back to the career aspect of things, if you decide, you know what? Uh, I don't think I want to be an intraoperative neuromonitoring technologist anymore. I think I want to go into therapy. Okay, what's that going to take? Well, I'm going to have to go back to school. I'm going to have to get another degree. I'm going to have to establish a clientele base before I can even consider leaving my job. So there is a part of me that says, you just got to suck it up until you can get those steps done. But just stepping away and saying, I guess I'll just be unemployed for a couple of years while I do online school, not the right way, go, right way to go about it. It's, it's rash. It's hasty. It causes a lot more problems than it does good. So there's this quote that I really, that I found that I really like. Um, it says, uh, sometimes taking a step back is the best way to move forward. And I feel like, once again, when we can take a step back and evaluate everything that's going on around us, we will be drawn to the values um, that mean the most to us. A certain goal or a, a dream we established when we were a teenager or what, what we've dedicated our lives to that we feel like there's no other route to go in our lives, then we kind of get lost on those railroad tracks that don't allow for any sort of deviation. Um, which, you know, and, and it's not a bad thing to be goal-driven. It's more just a matter of the benefits of taking a step back and where that can lead us to. One thing that has been really challenging in the past few years of my life and your life is having to take a step back and even some steps away from family. Um, th this is something that has been, I, I think probably one of the greatest causes of uncertainty and doubt, guilt, contemplation, conversation. Worry. Worry, yeah, concern uh, is realizing that we were not okay with certain things going on within our family and having to say, I need to take a step back from this. I'm one of those, you know, typical guy. I, I like fight videos online. I, I, I think it's funny. I think it's funny and entertaining when you see two hormonal teenagers just start wailing on each other. Um, but what, I, I'm getting to a point. You're looking at me like, where is this going? Don't worry. I'm getting there. Um, when we get into those heated passions, all we see is red. All we see is that single thing, like that single enemy in our lives. And we just get so infused into that situation that we're unable to observe what's going on around us. 
Um, th this happens to people all the time when they, all they have to do is lose their temper for a small little moment and it can impact the rest of their lives. But then you see those ones where one person has the composure to be like, hey, take a step back, take a breath. And it diffuses the whole situation. And I feel like that's what we've kind of had to do for ourselves is to take a step back, take a breath, and look at the situation on a broader spectrum. And the steps back that we took, we had to implement boundaries. We had to implement, um, you, you say it really well, and I'm probably gonna have you take over here in just a second. Can I interject? Yes, please do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would like to start off with saying, with family, it's so tricky. Because when you're growing up, you are enmeshed in each other's lives. Everything is, well, that's just how we do it. I know with the, with the Whatcott side, my side of the family, it was, that's just the Whatcott way. And there were things we did that it just, that's how our family worked. It's how we had done things and it worked good for us. And we were like, yeah, we're good. That's, that's just the way we do things. And as we added the people to our family, it, our dynamics changed. And so I've also noticed that as we've been talking about stepping back, almost every single time we've said it, we then say, and evaluate, yeah. and think, and gain perspective. And I think that stepping back is the way we are able to look at things. And the reason why we step back can change whether we're stepping back or stepping away as well. We don't step away and leave typically to think about coming back. Yeah. Typically we, we step away and leave to leave and we're like, I'm done. But I don't want to get sidetracked or off topic too, too far. But what I was going to say is stepping back in a family is a lot harder to recognize the need for because our, our norms are normal. We don't see anything wrong. We don't see anything different. It's what we've always known. It's what we, yeah, it's what we know. And so it's like, well, that's what we know. And so then when we have to look at our family life and step back and really look and say, is this good? Is this healthy? Is this something I'm willing to do or put up with? Or do I feel is good for my children to be exposed to? It allows us to take it in the bigger picture and even look from an outside perspective. I think it's easier when spouses come in because they have that outside perspective and they say, eh, that's not normal. I know there are things that you told me about my family, like, really? That's, <laughs> I don't think we've ever done that as a family. And vice versa, I think I've said that to you as well. And so that outside perspective is easier to gain because we have someone from the outside pulling us back and saying, hey, look at this. Does that seem weird to you? Or maybe we should talk about this. That's not really how I'm okay doing things. Yeah. And so it, it's a like a baby step to learning how to step back is having someone there who can step us back and say, I'd love for you to look at this from my perspective. Take a step back with me. Um, I was thinking as you were first describing stepping back, I thought immediately of my children 
when they are young and I'd be working on something and looking at something, anything really focused. And of course, that's usually when a child comes and wants mom's attention the most. And so they come and they say, look at this. And they shove a paper right in your face. Like to your nose. Yeah, like right <laughs> in your face. You can't see a dang thing because it's, it's too close. And so it's not like you hit it away and say, don't bother me. Some people might, but <laughs> my point is when our child sticks that paper and says, look at this, we step back. We pull back to see what they're showing us, to look at what they're trying to show because from their perspective, they have to get it up to our face because they can only see it from that perspective. They don't know how close they're getting it to our face. And so then we have to move it so that we can step back and see what they're actually trying to show us and gain the perspective to be able to look and say, oh, I love your drawing of you and me at the park swinging yeah. on the swings. And suddenly it's a sweet, tender moment that before it was a white piece of paper in your face that meant nothing and you were being disturbed from the focus you had. And so I think learning to step back and see it for what it is as an added perspective can be a great value in your life. Yeah. And in terms, I know you were talking about boundaries. I was family. actually going to reel you back into that. But, <laughs> but, but touch on boundaries for me, Katie. <laughs> I hadn't forgotten. I just had so much I wanted to say. You're doing, yeah. You're doing a great job of it, too. <laughs> Thanks. Um, in regards to boundaries and stepping back, most times when we feel our boundaries have been overstepped or we feel the need to create boundaries, it's because we haven't stepped back. We are too far into it that all we see is that tiny focus that we've been so focused on, whether it's, I'm just going to pass this test, I'm just going to pass this test, and noticing nothing else. Boundaries, we step back to evaluate what we need, what clarifications we need in our lives so that we don't feel the uncomfortableness of our boundaries being stepped over and on because we have natural boundaries. And when someone does something that you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable that you did that. Like random people coming up and touching a pregnant lady's belly. Yes. That one, oh, that one was one for me. I was like, don't, don't touch <laughs> I just me. feel like that's a great visual for our listeners to be like, oh, <laughs> that's a boundary most people are just like. It's, it's a yeah. natural boundary of don't, don't touch my stomach. I don't know you. I don't even know you. Yeah. Um, and, and so we feel that discomfort because our, our brain is saying, that's a boundary. Step back. Keep yep. your boundary. And over time and with different things that are more subtle, we don't notice the uncomfortableness as much. And we sometimes step over our own boundaries and we have people stepping over our boundaries so much that we it's just a general uncomfortableness that we don't realize what boundary it is needed so stepping back we can evaluate what boundaries we truly need we think that boundaries especially when you first are making boundaries we see them as walls because typically we're feeling defensive our body and our brain has worked so hard to bring us to the awareness of needing boundaries that we feel like we're setting up walls. They were saying, stay away. And so we were like, oh, we have these walls. And people are really defensive when we put up 
boundaries as well because they feel like it's a wall keeping them out and the such big importance of boundaries is helping people understand that when you make a boundary you're not shoving people away you're not pushing back and saying this is the distance I want to keep you at it's instead saying I am showing you how you can love me the best because if you step over my boundary purposefully or not I'm going to feel a type of pain it's going to hurt even if it's just like a small discomfort it's still a type of hurt I cringe I there's there's not a negative or there is a negative sentiment attached to stepping over someone's boundary and so when you set up those boundaries and you're clear about them what you're saying is I so want to be loved and I want you to be able to love me in a way that is beneficial to me and you that I'm going to share these boundaries so that we can be better at showing that love yeah. I'm my boundaries are showing me how to be loved yeah. how I want to be loved I, I I love the way that you describe that. And I, I quote you all the time <laughs> to people. I do. Uh, that quote right there, boundaries are, are not a way for me to push people away. It's a way for me to show people how to love me best. I, I think that, like, could you just cross-stitch that for me? Like, <laughs> that would be perfect. Uh, th there's another great visual that, that um, I don't remember if it was Cody or Maurice that described it, but it's like, the, uh, it's like having a, a little white picket fence around your property. If someone is walking on the sidewalk, and decides to just step over your white picket fence while you're standing in the kitchen looking through the window, you're going to step out of the door and be like, hey, hey, can you get back on the other side of the fence, please? I didn't invite you in. And if that person wants to talk to you, it's like, you can see my boundary very clearly. I've established that boundary with a white, with a white fence. If I want to come and talk to you at that boundary, I will come out and talk to you. Well, and as in the literal sense of this metaphor, if you're thinking of it as your home and your lawn and yeah. your fence you also have a path to your front door yeah. you say this is the path that i accept Ooh, i like that as come to talk to me this is the way you can come in if you don't want to come in through this way there is a fence there because i'm not willing to have you walk on my grass yeah i might be willing to come walk over to the boundary and talk to you but i might not if i just watered my grass i might not <laughs> I have a path though that's a perfectly good path that you can come to me, I can come to you, we can meet halfway because I have given you this clear cut path of communication to say, come talk to me. I am open. I yeah. have this path. I have an opening in my fence. Use that. Don't break a, break a hole in my wall or in my fence. Or track through my garden that I've worked so hard on trying, trying to get to me, yeah. Because you don't know, I mean, I could go so deep into this metaphor. We can, I'm not going yeah, to. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll, just, we'll have a, a whole episode on boundaries one day. It'll be awesome where I will start the episode and then just let you go the rest <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Great. I'll talk to myself. Um, so the, the last little aspect of this that I want to touch on really quick. For those of you that are witnessing someone taking a step back, are witnessing someone even taking a step away, are part of someone's story that is establishing boundaries. Maybe you're one of the person, you're one of the people that are 
on the outside of that fence and you feel like you should be able to step over that fence and go talk to that person whenever you like. And maybe you're feeling offended or upset or frustrated about the fact that why can't I come in? I've always been able to come to your front door whenever I wanted. And now all of a sudden you've put up this fence and you're not allowing me in for, for those people, all of us, it isn't just those people for all of us. When someone establishes boundaries, like Katie said, Take it as an opportunity to see what they need, why they are setting those boundaries, why it's so important to them, understand them better, because what will happen is when you learn to respect and love those person's boundaries and love them for having the strength to establish boundaries and having the strength to stand up for themselves and their own values and their own beliefs, then that person not only will allow you more access to their property, they will trust you more within the walls of that property. They will not have to monitor everything you're doing within the walls of that property. They will trust that you can come in to that yard, into that house, and that you will not start destroying things. But what, what I'm getting at is, say someone, like in the aspect, say someone comes to you and says, I just need to take a step back from church. It's okay to ask why, and it's also okay to accept what they're going through, to validate what they're going through. Maybe they had a really bad experience with someone. Pushing them to just get over it, pushing them to say, you know, like, oh, well, you know, people are imperfect. You just need to, uh, you just need to forgive and forget. Things or, like that. Or just come anyway. Yeah. Things like that are, they're toxic and they will actually build the walls higher and thicker from that person. Not the boundary walls, actual walls. Yes, the actual walls, the, the walls that do keep people out. It is our responsibility as loving children of God who are sent here to love one another as brothers and sisters to understand that every single person's story is unique. Everyone is going through their own thing. And it is not our job to save others. It is not our job to force others. It is not our job... Yeah, and it is not within our rights to step over the boundaries of other people and tell them what they can and can't feel, what they, what they get to experience with what they're going through to say, oh, well, I've been through that and I was just fine. You'll, you'll get over it. You'll be just fine. Or this is what you need. Yeah. It's their story. And the best we can do is to love and understand and be a, a place of and these two words right here. Focus on these two words. Apply it to everyone you come across. Be a place of safety and trust. Because if you can be someone that is that in, invites an atmosphere of safety and trust, then you will be someone that is automatically respecting boundaries, that validates other people for what they're going through, that helps other people feel loved despite their flaws, despite their sins, despite their struggles, that's the kind of person that makes the big impact. It's not the one that gets up on their soapbox and starts preaching repentance and damnation and, and all these things and starts making someone feel even worse about themselves. It's the person that opens their arms, doesn't say a word, and allows that person to come in and be embraced and finally feel like they don't have to defend themselves to every little scrutiny and problem that they're going through that they can just be. That will invite them to you and that will invite them to Christ. Um, 
it actually ties in with what I was going to end with. Um, when someone is stepping back, a lot of people are like, well, what can I do? Mm, there yeah. must be something I can do to help because I want to be there. I want to be actively engaged in helping this person overcome whatever crisis it is they are stepping back from. And so they're like, give me, give me something to do. And so I wanted to read this because the, the best thing you can do for someone who is stepping back is to hold space for them. Mm. And so what does it mean to hold space for another person? It means that we are willing to walk alongside another person in whatever journey they're on without judging them, making them feel inadequate, trying to fix them, or trying to impact the outcome. When we hold space for other people, we open our hearts, offer unconditional support, and let go of judgment and control. Step back and hold space. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, give us a shout out. Let us know. Let you know. Let us know that you're listening. Give us that five star review. Um, you know, I I've heard there, the the rainbows no longer have pots of gold at the end of them. But if you do click on a five star review, uh, a, a rainbow emerges from wherever you are. So, go go create some rainbows with a five star review of this podcast. <laughs> It'll be your lucky day. <laughs> All right. On that note, we love you guys, and we're so grateful to, to be doing something like this, and we're grateful to have your support. Share this, reach out to us, and uh, let us know how it goes the next time you step back and just evaluate everything that's going on. We'll see you next week on Recovering You. If you liked what you heard today, please don't forget to take just a few seconds to rate us and share this episode with someone you think it may benefit. If you have any questions for Katie or myself, feel free to reach out to us at recoveryu2 at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you back next week.